Maybe you're new to Only Believe, or you've just been here a while observing, but you're not involved. You know you're a part of a bigger picture, but you don't know exactly what that looks like. I'm Pastor Nicole. I'm asking you to become a member here at Only Believe. Spend a Saturday morning with me, the first Saturday of the month, and let me share with you this wonderful prayer that we pray for your life. I wanna discuss it with you. You know, it's important that we know who God is, and then when we know who He is, our soul and our hearts begin to change, and we find freedom from things that often have been a vice in our life or chains that the devil meant to hold us bound. And then I'm gonna help you discover your purpose. We're gonna go through a class together and learn what you were designed to do. And then we're gonna do that and make a difference in the kingdom. See, everyone has a part to play in the body of Christ. I want you to find yours. Join me Saturday for next steps. You will definitely see what's next for you. Boxes. They're so excited. Those faces just transform. Yeah, these kids behind me are so excited because they've just received their boxes. The mouth is wide open, the voice is raised, smiles are all over. That box brings joy. We're right now in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. I mean, it's just been incredible. Kids are so excited, giving them a gift, do it in Jesus' name, and that's what this is all about. Jesus loves you. It's a gospel opportunity. It's the chance for the children to change the entire life. That's what I love about Operation Christmas Child. It knows no borders and knows no boundaries. It's all about sharing the name of Jesus Christ. Churches are doing big things with Operation Christmas Child. Everybody out there who packs shoe boxes, they are spreading God's love. It's families, it's churches, it's hundreds of thousands of volunteers that help make Operation Christmas Child so successful. We couldn't do it without them. With this box, they do get the gospel story. They do hear about Jesus. It has maximum impact in the worldwide kingdom of Christ. I mean, what better thing could you do than be involved in fill shoe boxes? Some of them go by train, some go by camels, some go by ships. These boxes go all over the world, and that is only the beginning. After receiving the shoe boxes, the children will be invited to go to the greatest journey, which is a 12-lesson discipleship program where they learn about the greatest gift, which is Jesus Christ. After a child completes the greatest journey, they graduate and receive a Bible in their own language. When the light of the gospel is turned on, that changes everything. Churches are being planted, lives are being changed, communities are being transformed. The word of God is spreading. The gospel is advancing. It is impacting children, it is impacting families, it is impacting the world greatly. 
Thank you for praying. Thank you for giving. I would like to ask you to consider package shoeboxes year-round. God will bless and God will use your gift to touch the life of a child and to be able to do it in Jesus' name. So thank you. Thank you for being a part of it. God bless each and every one. All right, good morning, church. It's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, just by raise of hand, if you're feeling super fabulous today, just raise your hand up so I know who's feeling. That's fantastic. I think every hand went up. That's wonderful. Uh, do me a quick favor. Just look at your neighbor and just say hi to your neighbor. Let's be friendly for a quick minute here. Hi. If it's your spouse, look somewhere else. Don't look at your spouse and say hi. That's cheating. Uh, if you don't know your neighbor's name, just ask it real quick. It's okay if you've introduced yourselves 50 times. Just keep asking. We're full of grace and mercy here. Anyways, we're super excited everybody is here for church. That goes for live streamers as well. We're so grateful that you guys have joined us online today, and we know that you're going to be blessed and encouraged by the message. If you are a first-time guest with us today, there's a really awesome card in the back of the pew in front of you, you can grab that and fill it out. We promise not to harass you. Uh, we just want a little bit of information about who you are and, and to see if we could do something to bless you and encourage you or pray with you, things like that. Uh, you could fill that out and turn it out at the Welcome Center in the lobby or drop it in the offering bucket. That would be fantastic. A couple of announcements for you guys today. Uh, where you're sitting, there should have been a little black card. Do you guys see that? Here's what I need you to do, all right? If you don't do this, I'm going to get fired, all right? This, my whole job is hinging on this right here. You have to take that little black card and give it to somebody who doesn't go to church this week. If next week any of those cards are still sitting in the pews, like tomorrow morning, they're going to fire me. We're going to do it on live, Facebook, so everybody sees it happen, and I would really like to not get fired. So please grab those cards. Uh, this will be the last opportunity to use those cards because next Sunday is the last message in this series. And so you need to use that card this week. And let's just see what God does with a tiny, little, small act of faith in inviting people out. Let's just see what God will do with that. All right, there are home groups today. If your home group is meeting today and you're wearing one of those cool red shirts, go ahead and stand up here real quick just so we can kind of see. If you don't know what home groups are, they're an opportunity for fellowship outside of the church in people's homes. So we've got our Piqua group today, New Bremen, I see them. Oh, no red shirt. Mm, they don't count today. Hmm. Which, uh, which city are you guys in? Lima. Okay, we got Lima represented. So if you live anywhere near Piqua, New Cridersville, New Bremen, Lima, you guys find the people in the red shirts. And, and Bob's got a red shirt on. It's just not the red shirt. Uh, but find them and get information. We'd love to have you guys out at our home groups. Fellowship is so important. We're the body, and it's great when the body gets together and spends time together. Um, there is no St. Mary's group this month, so if you typically go to the St. Mary's group, go to a different one this month. And then the Anna home group will actually be meeting on the 18th, which is, which is next Sunday, and that'll be, that'll be awesome. We're going to go ahead and transition into worship. Would you guys stand up with me? I want to encourage you with something here about praise and about worship. When we praise and worship God, we're not doing it to try to motivate God to do something. We're doing it because it's God's nature to do something. 
we worship and we praise because we know that God is working all things out for our good. We're not worshiping and praising to try to get him to do so. He's already doing it, and we're responding to who he is. We're responding to his nature. So I want to encourage you, if you came in here today, and if you're on live stream, and you feel heavy, and you feel tired, you're coming to the Jesus that says, I'll give you rest. I will restore your soul. That's who we worship. We're not trying to get him to do this. This is what he is doing, and we worship in response to that. Jesus is beautiful. And what he does for us is amazing. And so we want to give him our absolute best, acknowledging this is who you are, and we worship you because of who you are. Amen? Let's pray as we get into worship. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that you are a good father. We thank you, Father, that you are working all things out for the good of those who love you, Father. We thank you that it is your heart and your nature to bless us and give us your kingdom. It's who you are. So, Father, today we want to give you all of our praise and all of our worship, knowing no matter where we're at in life, no matter if we're here feeling strong and courageous and victorious, or whether we're here broken and on the brink of defeat, it feels like, that you are the God who is rescuing us. You are the God who is lifting us up. You are the God who is going before us and making a way where there seems to be no way. That is who you are, and we bring ourselves into your presence today, acknowledging that and worshiping you and thanking you, God, for for everything that you do. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my
ran out of that grave. No more darkness. You called my name. And I ran out of that grave. Yes. Out of the darkness to your glorious day.
the praise, make a dead man walk again. Open the grave, I'm coming out. Live, gonna live again. This is the sound of dry bones rattling.
When I was down here, the Lord began to speak to me about our pastor, but also about this church. And some of the greatest work that God does, it's in a place of hidden places. It's in insignificance. It's in the quiet, dark places. And God spoke to me and said that the things that have been preparing, the things that God has been doing in our pastor and in our church and the members of this church, it seems like it's been in a place of insignificance. But God said that there's going to be a spotlight that is going to shine upon this church, upon our pastors, and upon the members of this church. And the things that have been in insignificance, the things that we've been believing for, praying for, and, and the things that God has spoken to us, God said it's time for those things to start to come forth. Our insignificance is going to give, place to a birth, or give birth to a place of significance. It's going to be where there's going to be... Um, a recognition as it were there's going to be a spotlight on this church and the things that people are going to be coming to this church they're going to be drawn into this church is going to be um just a, he reminded me of the the ship that came into port god said we've reached the port and now he's going to begin to draw men from the north the south the east and the west and this is going to be a refuge this is going to be a place of significance so god said to prepare yourself and to lift your eyes unto him because the spotlight is coming upon this church for his glory
from the rising sun to the setting of the same. You know, I didn't wake up this morning wondering if the sun would rise. I didn't wake up guessing if there would be enough oxygen for me to breathe in. He was enough. He was faithful today as he was yesterday, and he will be for every generation to come. Amen? We can trust God with our life like that. You get that if he cares for creation, he cares for the seed enough to let the sun rise every day to give them the heat and the strength that they need to grow. What more does he care for us? That's beautiful. He cares about you and I more than he cares about creation. We are his children. Amen? Hallelujah. It's offering time and tithes here at Only Believe. I want to speak to you today. So often we talk about the good parts of God because he is good. Someone say he is good. But we often forget to say the things that are uneasy and hard for us to hear as children. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but my mom and dad set me aside and said, we got to talk about your behavior. And they often corrected me. One time I can remember, I asked, my dad asked me in a correction. He said, I treated this kid in our church incorrectly. I was really rude. I was kind of mad because he picked up another girlfriend and I was supposed to be his girlfriend. Dad didn't know that part, but dad knew I treated him incorrectly. And he said, so you want your whooping now or you want it later? And we were driving in the car, so I said, I'll take it now. In the emergency lane we went, and I got corrected. What I'm saying is, is that we got to talk about some hard things sometimes. We always talk about Malachi 3.10, and we talk about the goodness of bringing all the tithe in the storehouse, and then you hear all the good stuff. But in verse 7, before the good part, this is what it said. Even from the days of your fathers... Ye are gone away from mine ordinances. In other words, you're not doing what your fathers taught you to do. You've gone away from what you knew was right, and you've turned to wrong. And have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. So you see, when we do things that are incorrect out of the Bible, God steps away from us and lets us have our own way. Even though he knows that way is going to possibly bring us trouble, he still steps away and allows you to make your own choice. It says, return unto me and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? The children are asking, where? What should we return to? Like, what did we do? It said, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. Even this whole nation. This wasn't just a generation. It was generation after generation after generation. The entire nation had forsaken what their fathers had taught them. And it said, but ye say, wherein have ye robbed me? Where, where? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Here's what I wanna say. The thought of the Old Testament, an offering was something you gave, but a tithe was something that you owed. You owed the tithe to God because he gave you the reward of your first fruits. It wasn't something that you got to choose to give. And sometimes we often think that giving a tithe is our choice. But I'm here to tell you that the word of the Lord says, I require a tenth. This is why I said sometimes it's a little hard. 
It belonged to him. So maybe you once tithed in the church and you got burnt. You said it didn't work for you. God wasn't faithful. Well, let me tell you something. He was faithful with the son and God doesn't change yesterday, today, or forever. There's something else that's present. Let's be honorable with our tithe. Let's give God what is truly due him. Let's not give it to him. Let's give him what is owed. And it's the whole tenth. And I know sometimes that's hard to say. You may say, I don't even tithe yet, Nicole. That's okay. When you do, the wor- when you do what the word says, it will do what it's promised. But you don't get 10, 11, 12, and 13 of Malachi if you don't do 7, 8, and 9. All right? All right, let's pray. Father, we come before you today, and Lord, again, we find ourselves at this place, God, where we need you. We're devoted to you, Father, even with our money. Not just our time and our effort and our hearts and the way we live our life, but God, in every area of our life, including that which you give to us, Lord, and we give it back to you the 10th God that you've asked. Out of obedience, we mix our faith with the word of God, knowing that what you said will be true in our lives. Now, Father, as we give it, do what only you can do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And God, we count it an honor to be able to give back to you what is rightfully yours. In Jesus' name, bring your tithes and your offerings. Remind you that the globe in the middle is for missions. If you want to give to missions work above and beyond, you're more than welcome. I forgot I'm supposed to preach, hallelujah. Man, oh man, get laying around and doing nothing. Hallelujah. Well, I, well, we've got three people here. We better try that again, or we're going to move down to the second, third Baptist church down on Fifth Avenue, and does that exist? I don't know. But there's a first, there must be a second, there's a third, there's a fourth, and it might be on every corner. So hallelujah. There you go. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You know, I, we live in a world where words sometimes are integrated together. They mean different things like, you know, uh, I saw something. Then the other word spelled for saw means it's a tool and you cut something. And so we live in a world that is, you know, has many meanings to words that we look at. And today I'm going to be taking you through scriptures. I'm going to be revealing to you some of the words that seem so contrary to what it's saying, but 
we're going to get a lot of truth out of it today. And the question that I would want to answer and pose to you is this. Will the pain ever end? Will the pain ever end? Life is filled with pain. Talked to a man the other day, and he was telling me, I, I don't want to get married, man. I'm, I'm just, oh, God. She said, I, I don't want to get hurt. And I said, well, you know, a life without love is just a life without living. Amen? What if you didn't love pizza? There would be no pizza hut. What would God do for the Last Supper when he called out? That was a joke. There you go. All right. Let's go to Micah, the fourth chapter. We're going to read from verse 9 and 10. Will the pain ever end? And it says, Now why dost thou cry out aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselors perished? For pains have taken thee as a woman in travail. Now that pain means pain has overtaken thee as a woman that is in travail. And it says, Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in travail. For now shalt thou go forth out of the city, and thou shalt dwell in a field, and thou shalt go even to Babylon. The word pain seems so strange in those scriptures, but it has to do with a deep inner pain that really can't be explained, can't de be defined. You know, doctors now say, on a level 1 to 10, what is your pain? I say 12. Give me all the medication you can give me so I can wake up well. And so... It says these words of pain, and it's connected with giving birth or bringing forth something that has never existed. The word pain means to grieve. It means to be in pain physically and soulishly to actually feel something. It means to shake. It means sorrow. It means to wound it means to cause trouble. It means to shape or to give form to something. Pain is a place that gives birth to things that have never been known to us before. You understand that? When a child gives birth, when a woman gives birth, I'm sorry, when a woman gives birth to a child, it says that later on, the pain is forgotten. I've heard women have told their husbands, you know, oh, honey, I love you. Get your hands off of me. Don't ever touch me again. Are we going to have any more children? Are you nuts? Unless you do it, we're having no more. The first child, of course, is, must always be the, the uh, toughest, but nevertheless, there is this place of pain that is indescribable. I don't want to experience it. You can't describe it. You can't take something for it. It is there in birth, and it is connected to that birth. And there is no birth without some type of pain. 
So the pain that we're going to talk about today is very closely associated with that which is unseen, that which cannot be explained, but that which is a birth place, a place that something can be formed in your life that you've never possessed before. Now, it, it seems like, well, how, why does it have to be miserable? I don't know, but I am glad that the women bear children, and all I have to do is fight thorns and thistles. Pain of life is not the result, just a result of physical injury. It's not just the pain of, you know, having an accident. But the pain that we're talking about has to do with the inner sources of man. It has to do with the soul of man, the intellect, the emotions of man. It has to do with places that are unseen, like the secrets where God has written in our hearts, that we are just not knowingly aware where they are, but we know they exist. We know they grieve us, they cause us to be sorrowful, they cause us to struggle in life. But the pains that I'm talking about are the pains of rejection, the pains of a broken covenant, divorce, pains where an agreement has been shattered, pain that cannot be dealt with except by supernatural sources. If they could come up with a pill that if you just went through a divorce in the last 72 hours, take this pill and you could recover in seven days. It would happen. But see, there are certain things that man cannot do because they had to do with the soul of man. They had to do with the spirit of man, the inner dwellings of man, the place that man draws life from that soon becomes shut off. Pain comes from our choices. I've made a lot of choices in life that have caused me pain. I got married. My wife is not a pain, but those that accompanied her with the same name can be. Now, uh, a lack of use of our faith is one of the places that pain comes into. Neglecting things that rise up in our life. The lack of involvement in life itself. Pain, unseen yet very real, unexplainable, but recognizable. You may not be able to see the wind, but you do see the leaves blow. Pain many times cannot be forgotten, but it must be moved on and lived beyond. I've heard people say this. They just need to get a ladder and get over it. Well, they need to get beyond their divorce, said the man that's never been through one. Well, they just need to get over it. That was 20 years ago. Their son was killed in a car accident. There are lots of things in life that you cannot get over. You cannot get over. How do you get over a where two people are one and they're torn apart? How do you heal such a breach in men's souls, spirit, physical bodies, and their families? How do you heal such a rip 
that has caused people to become imprisoned by one act of their past. There are lots of things you can't get over in life. I really wish that somebody would say, well, just forget about life. Forget about your past. That'd be great. But no matter what you try to do, sometimes there are things that you're going to have to live beyond. You aren't going to forget. You are not going to be free from. Your memories are always going to be connected to it. But you have to live beyond it. Kind of like, you know, of people that die. You say, well, you know, Harry's been gone 10 years. I'm just trying to get rid of all of his clothes and all of his pictures and the smell that he had. You know what? You're never going to forget, Harry. In fact, there are people in my life that I have written in the front of my Bible that I do not want to forget. I don't want to forget them. I want to remember my mother. I want to remember my brother. I want to remember those that have went before me. I want to remember my friends, Calvin and Cork and Jeff and Steve. I want to remember those men. They were an encouragement to me. But I have to live beyond the moment that impacted my life when they died. We have to live beyond it. So if we're going to live beyond it, what we have to do is we have to overcome the residue of the pain that keeps us bound to that past. The pain that keeps us bound to our past. You know that I run into um, people that went through divorce and they are as angry with their spouse and their new mate as they were when they got served with divorce papers. Now look, if I was delivered from a woman that didn't love me, that I couldn't stand and she got married again, I wouldn't be mad at him. I'd be grateful that he was picking up some of the tab. I'm not saying that in a, in a facetious way. I'm telling you that you have to get rid of the pain and you have to move beyond the problem and the act that took place in your past. And you're going to have to love her spouse and you're going to have to love her. And you're going to have to like the conditions that you are faced with. But I meet people all the time that are so infested with pain that they can't move on. They cannot live beyond. It seems like they feed off of corruptible, rotten things in their life and it keeps infesting them with poison. And all they do is talk negative about their wife, their husband, to their children, and pretty soon you have raised infected children that are incapable of loving people that they are to honor. And if that's you today, it's time for you to listen to this message and get set free from the pain and the bondage of your past. Let's go to uh, 2 Samuel 12 and verse 12. 2 Samuel 12, 12. I want to talk to you about a great man of God because whether we like it or not, no one, no one that is on planet earth is going to be void of pain. People are going to run into situations that cause pain. And it says this, for thou dost 
diddeth it secretly. Now, this is the prophet Nathan that is prophesying to David and what he's going to do. See, David is blind to his sin. He looked over the balcony and he saw Bathsheba and he said, hey, hey, hey. When all he had to do was go up to his concubines, but he wanted something he didn't have. So he looks over and he looks at this woman. I don't, he, he had to be staring. It wasn't just a glimpse. Oh my gosh, I, I, I wish I hadn't looked. No, that guy stared. I mean, he had to calculate. Boy, oh boy, this is this, this is that, like hallelujah. Surely that is a woman, a statured of God of perfection. And sure enough, he planned, he went and took her. And she was just as willing as David was wanting. They enter and they have a sexual relationship. We know that Uriah, the Sheba's husband, is on David's a war council. We know that he goes before and David commands his captain to take him up there and when he's up there and draw back and leave Uriah by himself fighting an army in a battle that David brought to pass. And the man gets killed. So David says, well, ain't nobody married to her. Now I'll marry her. This is where Nathan comes on. For thou didst secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sins, thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because this, of this deed, thou hast given great occasion to the enemy of the Lord. Now, everybody needs to hear that. When you sin, you are granting advantage to the devil to your life. Sin has nothing in it that you want. You've been set free from it, so don't open the door to it again. To blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed into his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. Now let's stop here. People say, well, God smote it. Listen, God is a God of his word of good and evil. The wages of sin are death. We reap what we sow. David realizes that it's not God that is taking a child's life. It is the payment of sin. You, did you hear me? It is the payment of sin. Oh, God, why did you do this to me? The payment of sin. Why? Because some men's sins go before them and some men's sins follow after them. I'd much rather deal with a sin today and suffer the repercussions of disobedience than I would to stand before a God of judgment that says to me, you transgress willingly, and today your name is not found in the book of life. I want mine to walk with me right now and I want to be convicted by it and I want to be led into the presence of God of repentance. David is told that, David, I'm taking the child's life because 
I need you to bring forth seed that will bring forth a redeemer to all men. God is a merciful God. And then it says this, and Nathan departed into his house, and the Lord struck the child Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. Next verse. And David therefore besought God for the child. David fasted. He went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of the house arose and went to him to raise him up, to, up from the earth. But he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. And it came to pass that on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him. And he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he be vexed himself if we tell him that the child is dead? And when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. And David rose from the earth, was washed, and anointed himself, and changed his apparel, came to the house of the Lord, and worshipped. He came to his own house. And when he when he required, they sent bread before him, and he did eat. And they said unto his servants and to him, What thing is this that thou hast done? Why didst thou fast and weep for the child while it was yet alive? But when the child was dead, thou didst rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and I wept. For I said, Who can tell whether God will be gracious to me? that the child may live. But now he is dead, wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? Shall I go to him, but he shall not return to me? The loss of a child. Now the first thing we all want to do, self-righteous people always have this attitude. David was in sin. I agree, absolutely. Nathan revealed it to the children of Israel and to the Son and all creation. David had sinned against God. But I don't want to bring out why David did it, how David did it, what did Bathsheba look like. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know any of that. But I want to bring out how David dealt with the pain of losing a child, knowing that it was his own actions that took that life of that child away. Losing a child, how much pain could that be? I've never lost a child, thank God. I don't know that we've ever had a miscarriage, thank God. So, but those of you that have, I've met people that have found their children had taken their own life. Found people that have found their children being shot to death. I know people that have lost children in a drive-by shooting. There is no right way to lose a child. But there is a right way to get free from the pain 
that can infect you and turn into anger and hatred for those that have perpetrated the act. And that is a far worse deed in that a shot that takes someone's life then it takes a family also. And so David realizes that he did wrong. David has to deal with his pain. One thing David doesn't do, he does not separate himself from life. He rises up, puts on his kingly apparel, goes into the place of the throne, cabinet acknowledges that King David is back, there is safety, there's stability in Israel, then he goes home. And somewhere he, he deals with the pain of Bathsheba, he deals with his own pain, and they come back together and are fortified by God and give birth to Solomon, the son of wisdom, the builder of Solomon's temple. How in the world does that happen? These are real life things. People, these, these things happen to people. People have car accidents. Children are taken. I don't know where does that pain originate from. I don't know. But I do know that it is powerful enough that it cripples people, paralyzes them, and steals their ability to even exist. And that pain must be dealt with because God doesn't leave us alone. Pain like this are something that the enemy takes advantage of the enemy takes advantage of well how does he take advantage of it he takes advantage of it when we don't deal with it right if you ain't got crumbs on the kitchen floor you probably will not end up with mice in the house amen you if you deal with things then there's no way for something to grow out of nothing but when we just neglect these things and push them back, push them out of our life, try to cover them up, try to live a life without dealing with them, I'm telling you, pain is going to end up destroying us. Let's go to 1 Samuel 31, 1 through 6. Remember, we're talking about pain. We're talking about pain that sometimes people will never even understand and hopefully never experience but for those of you that have I want to tell you that there's hope you know Phyllis and I know several people that have lost their children and not just in the church but outside of the church one lady uh, was our waitress at a certain restaurant and we went, and I remember the story of her daughter. Her daughter was in a basement years ago when a man lost his sanity and went through Shelby County shooting people. Her daughter was in that basement when he lost his mind. Trying to crawl out a window, he lowered a gun and killed her as she was crawling through the window, trying to escape. Our church, of course, took up an offering and divided so much money among those victims 
to help them, just to let them know that we love them. Then Phyllis and I knew a, a lady that had lost her daughter. She walked around the streets of Sydney with the picture of her daughter on her chest every day, every day, almost from sunup to sundown. Ice, snow, winter, rain, heat, didn't matter. Remember her, Phyllis? And she would walk the streets with the picture. Many of you might have seen her said, there's that crazy woman. No, she wasn't crazy. She was just infested with pain. She said, Pastor, my little girl, God's angel, he took her home. Same story every time, every time, every time. Did you want to avoid her? Yep. Could you avoid her? Yes. Should I avoid her? No. No. Didn't look like you brushed her hair. Didn't look, just look like a woman that had lost her mind with pain. With pain. She carried that picture on the streets of that city all the time. All the time. When we'd meet him someplace, her son would sometimes say, well, you know, she'd been wanting that. Or, you know, Pastor Pete, when I get enough money, I'm going to buy that watch over there. I'd say, well, let's go, let's go get the watch today. Just little things to try to ease the pain of suffering that could not be defined and could not be freed from without the help of God. Talking about the pain of life, the pain of losing someone that you love can be used by the adversary to destroy your life and your future. So we must, no matter what we are facing, what type of intensity of the pain, we must know that Satan is waiting to use that against you. And that's what we pick up in 1 Samuel. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain, in Mount Geboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons. And the Philistines slew jo jo Jonathan and Abadab and, yeah, there is, yeah, Joe and Saul's son. And the battle went sore against Saul. And the archer shot an arrow and hit Saul and wounded him. You know what that word wounded means? Loose pain in Saul's life. That's why pain is a weapon of the enemy. That's why pain is taking advantage of the enemy. And out of this wound is the wound that it speaks about in Micah. Remember that it gives birth to something that has never existed. Saul is a living man. He's about to become the prisoner of death. Saul has been shot by an archer. And when the adversary shoots things in your life that cause you pain, whether it's a broken relationship, whether it's rejection from somebody, whether it's failure, whether it's bankruptcy, whether it's unemployment, whether it's poor, whether it's poverty, no matter what it is, when he shoots it, he's seeking to wound you to give birth to something that is not active in your life. Then the Bible says, 
was wounded of those archers and said, then said Saul unto his armor bearer. The armor bearer is a unique word. The armor bearer is an encourager. He's there to lift Saul up. He's there to supply what he needs. He's there to encourage him, to power him, to enable him to keep the strength to lead the battle. But his armor bearer disappears in just a moment. Saul says, draw thy sword and thrust me through within me. Remember, we're talking about pain. No, but we're talking about a wound. Remember, I told you, I was going to show you words that meant the same thing, but words that meant something they didn't mean. That word wound is a word for pain. And that pain that was released into Saul's life, Saul thought so deep that it said, least these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me, but his armor bearer would not. And he was sore afraid. Therefore, Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. There was no encouragement in the pain of Saul. Sometimes when we see people, we might not know what to say. I don't know what to say when, when, when somebody dies. You walk in and say, you know, hey, how you doing, guys? Well, like, we're just here celebrating, stupid. No, you, sometimes you don't know what to say. But how about just being there? How about just listening them talk? How about allowing waters to flow up out of their bellies so that it can bring healing, so that it can flow out, so it can get all of the anger and the pain and the hurt and the misunderstanding and just let it flow, let it flow, let it flow. You know, I talk to people and sometimes they're telling me the same old story. The, for the 10th year in a row, it doesn't matter. They are filled with pain that is seeking to allow death to rule them. And I should be merciful enough to lend a hearing ear. Saul was shocked, had so much pain, he wanted to take his life. Let me do something valiant in the middle of being overcome by pain. When I talk to some people in our church, I often wonder how they ever made it to where they are. I mean, really, a couple of weeks ago, a testimony came forth, and, and a young lady and her husband, they both gave their testimony of how they had been abused by family members in their home when they were children. And the young girl was, was abused from like the age of seven up to 18. How in the world does somebody survive such lack of value, such usage, such abuse? How does a human mind, the soul of man, move on from that place? Talk to her later and she said this. The good thing was 
that later he got saved. I thought, that, that was the good moral of the story. No revenge. Come on, no justification. No, it, come on, wasn't there some resolve that you got some living hope from that there was justice in the world? Probably her thought was, I never did anything for justice for my salvation. And I never thought that he should either. When God is on your side, you can overcome. Could again, get an amen? amen? Job says this. Job 26.5 says, Dead things are formed, and that word formed really is the same word as pain. Remember that out of your pain, there comes a travail. And what out of the travail? The birth of a child. Something born out of a world unseen, born into your life. It changes your life. And it says that dead things are formed from the pain that we go through, from the waters and the powers that inhabit death. In other words, the adversary will use pain to begin to form things in your life. Now, he wants to form bitterness. He wants to form unforgiveness. He wants to form hatred. He wants to form all kinds of stuff. But in the case of this woman, some way God formed in her a spirit of grace and mercy to desire the forgiveness of an evildoer. Much of our pain exists because we do nothing with it. Can you remember you got divorced 10 years ago and you still feel the same way? Pain is ruling your life. How about somebody that did you wrong and you got behind the eight ball and then guess what? You were not able to progress and you had to file bankruptcy, you had to lose everything. You're just still filled with pain. See, what people do to us and what the devil does to us really has no effect on us when we trust in God. It may still be there. It may hurt, yes. You may have to ward it off. But if you will trust in God, God will not only heal the pain, he will scar it over so you'll be stronger than you have ever been. We want to make sure that we don't get to the place where we get wounded or hurt and that we really seek to allow death itself to rule us. The pain of shame, the pain of loss, of poverty, of rejection, of divorce, the pain of unfaithfulness. Somebody said, Pastor, you think God will forgive me for divorce? I said, what well, I don't know. He... Your husband divorced you, right? Well, yeah. Well, then I don't think there's a forgiveness factor. Sometimes people take pains. Have you ever heard of this uh, false labor? Women have false labor. 
I don't want to be woke up for false labor. I want the real thing. And then, anyway, sometimes we cause false pain because we're reading into things that should not be read in there. Amen? Esther 4 says this. Let me give you a little background. There was a king, a harasser, uh, a Eurasserath, whatever his name was. And uh, Esther was of his courts. She was getting ready to be presented to him. She was a virgin captive from Israel. Her uncle was Mordecai. Mordecai was a statesman in that kingdom for a long period of time and was favored of the king. In fact, gave the king great counsel counsel and delivered his armies from the battle and they brought victory. Mordecai was favored in the king's eyes until one day somebody spoke against Mordecai. And when he did, the king believed him and the king put out a decree that on any certain day, all the Jews in the whole country was going to be killed. Now, Mordecai did not run from the battle. But he did get stricken with so much pain, he ripped his clothes and he put on sackcloth and ashes. And then he called for Esther and said, Esther, we need your help. And the Bible says that Esther was grieved. That word grieved means that she was filled with pain. That her people were going to be slaughtered like animals. The Bible says that Esther was grieved. That word grieved means she was filled with pain. She was overtaken with pain that came from places in her body that she did not understand. But that pain invoked her to give birth to the Esther that we read about in the Bible that overcame Haman that had ordered the decree that all the Jews be slaves. Esther became the woman that God needed for the moment because she gave birth to something that was needed. Out of your hardships, you can become somebody or you can stay the same. I don't know about you. I want to change. Because if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're just going to have more pain. I talked back to Phyllis one time. Now, the good thing of it is the broom did not go as far as I could fly on a run. The telephone that came flying out of that door was on a cord by the mercy of God. And thank God back then we probably didn't have any sharp knives. But I never talked back to her since. Now, I do when I'm headed out the door when she doesn't hear she, sometimes she says, honey, I can't hear you. I said, well, let me speak a piece of my mind then. <laughs> Listen, don't let pain come into your life. The first thing you need to do or how to end pain in your life is this. Count it as dung. Go to Philippians, the third chapter, verse 7. Some things in life are not important. Who wants to keep a husband that treats you like dirt. Anybody in here? 
Anybody want to keep an unfaithful wife? No. Sometimes we try to keep things that are not worth keeping. But what things were gained to me, those things I counted loss for what? Christ's sake. The first thing you're going to have to do, you got to realize that you walking in the fullness of the image of Jesus Christ is the most important thing in your life. If all men forsake you and you find him, you have found the treasure of life. If you sell it all and buy a field and you get one pearl, you've got it all. If you give up everything and find a coin, it's worth the effort. We need to count things that are worth something as worth obtaining. And things that are not worth something, then let them go. If you aren't, in, if you aren't valuable to your spouse, why do you take up room? Now, I'm preaching to somebody today. But you need to start talking up your spouse. You talk down to a dog, even he will crawl. You ought to take care of your spouse. Well, 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 she's lucky to have me. Have you looked at yourself? You had hair, you have none now. You were able to see your shoes. Now you stumble over your strings that you tie them with. Listen, wake up. You got the best that you can ever get. You better keep what you got. I want to be valuable to Phyllis. I tell her all the time, ain't I a good husband? Yes. Yes, honey, you are. Whatever you want. You ever wonder why Phyllis says, oh, pastor, gives me anything I want. Because if I don't, I may lose her. And that's the truth. So you see, the second thing that Esther and her court did was they begin to fast. The Bible says that when you fast in secret, God will reward you openly. I don't know everything that takes place in a fast, but I do know that if I would just say, Father, this is my desire in my fast, that God, I get free from my brokenness, that God, you would make me whole, that I could have hope again, that I could have life again, that I could have joy again, that I could laugh, that, God, I could just live what is ordinary to everybody else. God, I just want to be free from the brokenness and the pain that I have obtained. Please, God, I put my hands in you. I cast myself on the rock. Recreate and make me and form out of me, God what you desire for me to be. Put your hands in the hands of the master. And God will do certain things in your life, and he'll change you. Also, David fasted. We know it must be a good deed. Secondly, David laid himself on the ground and humbled himself. Humbled himself. Don't think that you can get through it on your own. You can't. You cannot get through it on your own. Believe me, you're not going to make it very far. But when you put your hands in the hand of God, God's going to make you something. 
2 Corinthians, the last step is 2 Corinthians 1, 4 down through 10. It says that we were in the midst of our tribulation, the place of great excruciating pain. It was so painful of what we were going through. Hungry, thirsty, naked, friends being killed, friends dying on the fields. We didn't know where to turn. We even despaired of life because it would have been better if we had died. But in the midst of this, we heard this voice. Believe in me. And Paul said, I realized that I had the answer of this pain that I didn't understand, this pain that I could not face, this pain that I didn't want to go through. The next disciple that I bury is going to be the last one. I can't take it anymore. Well, the men of God are dying for good. And he said, but inside of me something said, Paul, believe in God. Because he has delivered, he will deliver, and he is in the delivering business. The Bible says that Paul then began to embrace his pain with God on his side. And Paul said, what I learned out of those lessons of caring for people that were broken and really doing just what the Bible said, physician, healing thyself. I just trusted God. And those things that I learned, I want to share with you. Folks, make sure that you don't count anything that has caused you pain more important than the life that Jesus has for you. Don't do it. Secondly, make sure that you are ready to move on from where you are. If you leave something, don't visit it every day. The third thing, start setting things in motion that you fight pain with the spiritual weapons you have. Begin to fast and be open to God and just say, God, this just hurts me. I, I can't stand it anymore. I, I'm at the end of myself. Help me, God. And as you are abiding in that secret place, God will come and there will become as you wait upon the Lord, a transformation of your life. Your strength will be renewed. Your old garments will seem to peel away. The old pains and so forth will just drop off with the old man. Pretty soon your strength will be renewed. You'll mount up with wings of the eagles. You'll begin to run like the young men. You'll not grow weary. And you'll finish your task. And I'm telling you, saints, some of us have been wounded and we're still seeping blood. And it's time for us to get beyond it. Listen, there are a lot of people I have hated in life. And I'm not kidding you, I've hated a lot of people. And, and I've told Phyllis in the past, and we, we've talked about, where would you be? I said, well, I'd be in prison or dead. She said, you're right. Because I'm telling you, before I got born again, you didn't matter to me, neither my family, and neither my life. I'm telling you, I hated people. And I was not a nice guy. Not a nice guy. I'm just telling you, I wasn't a nice guy. 
But I'll tell you, I had no mercy for anything that lived because I had so much pain on the inside of me. Pain that I had caused, pain that I had given birth to, pain that I had induced by my own lust, pain that I had induced by my own greed, pain upon pain upon pain, but no answers. But one day I met Jesus Christ. And I gave him all of my broken stuff and all of my pain. And I said, Jesus, here's what they tell me. They tell me I need you. So I'm asking you to come into my heart. And I said, I'm going to start acting like a Christian. And so I expect you to treat me like one. Now, Phyllis will tell you that when as soon as I got saved, I called the guy that had been witnessing to me at work, and I said, hey, I just gave my life to Christ. He said, yeah, all right, and hung up on me. Friends started coming to the house, friends that were preachers, saying, what's Pete really doing? What's, it, what's the scam he's got going on now? These were preacher friends that believed forgiveness could be granted. They just didn't think I could ever get it. But I'm telling you, God saved me, and God healed me. And I don't have any hate for anybody in this world. I, I, I just don't have any hate. No, I don't hate the devil. You say, don't you hate him? No, I don't hate him. feel sorry for him. Anybody as stupid as him, you know, deserves a thought of mercy. Look, we've all been as dumb as him. We transgressed against God. And I want to have people come today, and we're going to pray. And this is only a place of starting point. You're going to say, I need healed. I need help. I need God's grace to do for me what I can't do for myself. Man doesn't have the capacity to forgive. Doesn't have the capacity to love without God. And I hope that it might have been jumbled, but I just want you to realize we have to deal with our pains. Number two, we have to help those that have pain. Number three, we have to do something with what we have. So when we open up the prayer lines there, I just want you to come and say, you know what? I need rid of this. I need healed of this. I need set free of this. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Every head bowed, please. Father, in the name of Jesus, there's nothing that can heal brokenness and the power of pain except your touch and your healing mercy. And God, I ask today as men and women join their faith with people that are going to pray that God, you will break these doors of strongholds and prisons that are keeping them bound. And I ask God that just a flood of life, hope, and joy will come. Visit them in the night times, God, in their dreams. And heal them and make them whole, God. 
Then I pray today that if there is anybody here today that is not a Christian, I want to appeal to you that life without Jesus Christ is an end that every man is seeking to escape. Jesus loves you, there's no question. The cross bears witness that he loves you. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're here today and you're a backslider, I'm going to count to three. And I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet wherever you are. And then I'm going to come and I'm going to meet you. And I'm going to walk with you down this aisle. And I'm going to pray with you a prayer that will transform your life that will allow Jesus to wash away your sins and cast them as far as the east is to the west. Release the healing Jesus into your life. One, remember that life just presents times of choices and at the end of it, all choices are over. Two, there are no repeats after death. If you die without Christ, you will live forever without him. Three, now you raise your hands today if you're a backslider or you're a sinner and say, I want to receive Christ. Somebody help me see him. If I see him, please don't let me miss one. Or I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Will you please stand up? If you have your hands raised, stand up. If you have your hands raised, stand up. I'm coming here to walk with you. Anyone else, wherever you are, this is a day that the Lord has appointed for our salvations. Yes, bring her down here, Mark. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you get a promotion at work? Are you up for a promotion? Are you changing a job? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, good. Did it just happen or you're about to do it? Just happened. Well, I want to tell you something, that God's going to bless you in that. You will excel at that job, and you will get the attention because of your skills and your faithfulness. Sometimes you think that diligence is not seen, but God has seen it. Promotion cometh from the Lord. So there you go. Hallelujah. Come on, young lady. Let's go. Anybody else here today that says, Pastor, that's me. I need to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Hallelujah. Alrighty, this is the most important thing in our service is a soul being saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Phyllis, will you come up here and pray with her? How are you doing? Good deal. Pray with her, Phyllis, and lead her to Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. <clears throat> I need two men that are divorced. Their children are not, uh, let's say their children are not really connected to them. 
Maybe you want them to be, but you just haven't been faithful in the past to join that. I need two men because I want to start a divorce group where men start reconciling. Yeah, yeah, come right on down here. That men start reconciling children to their fathers. And I need two men, and I'm telling you, it's going to be a job. It's going to be a job. I still need one more man that is divorced. Thank you, Mark. No, you aren't the only divorced man here. You're the only divorced man that wants to invest anything. Hallelujah. I'm kidding. Come on, anybody else? I need just one more. If not, I'm going to make him do it by himself. All righty. Chuck, this is going to be a small group. And I'm going to, you and I are going to find places to take them pond fishing. We're going to find places to teach them how to shoot bows and arrows. We're going to find places how to shoot firearms. We're going to find them places that are going to draw our, those children that have been estranged into them. Let their fathers rebuild those fences so that they can share Christ. And if they're not saved, they don't have to be saved. Invite sinners. Bring them. You're going to lead them to Jesus. And you know what? If their wives, wives uh, are still estranged, you don't know if a marriage will get restored or whatever. When you bring men around light, they can see darkness. Amen. So you get with me and Kylan, or call Kylan, and we'll get together. We're going to set you up a small group. Okay? All righty. Thank God. Hallelujah. Oh, hey, here, here, right here's another one. Good, you two become friends. Hallelujah. Praise God. <clears throat> Praise the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. Now, could I have some men up here to pray? Some of the prayer team. Please come. Nikki, come somebody. Yeah, get them up. Hallelujah. Ray, you and Annie could get up here. Ed, come on. Hallelujah, somebody. Now, what I want you to do is to bring the place of your pain up here today. I want you to join it with one of these men, one of these couples up here. And I want you to tell them, I really need to get over the brokenness of unfaithfulness, of what it did to me. I've harbored it. It's hindered my marriage. It's hindered my joy, my life, whatever it's done. And then I want you guys to pray for it. And you know and I know that God's going to do something. This is the beginning of something. Amen? It may be an everyday journey, but it is the beginning of something. This is the contact point of our faith right here. When we make this connection, then the healer of inner pain that the adversary takes advantage of is going to stop. It's going to stop. And God is going to help those that pray now father in the name of Jesus I ask you to bless every couple that is here I thank you hmm is anybody here that went deaf because of an inner ear infection it seems to me that it is on the left ear someone one of your children went deaf in an ear because of an ear infection. Let you raise your hand. Nobody? 
huh? Your mom is? Was it because of an ear infection? Scarlet fever? And how long has she been deaf in that ear? Her whole life. You going over there today, Dan? I know you always kick lunch, cook lunch, don't you? If she don't marry you, I might. <laughs> Give me a list of what you can cook, okay? Now, I'm going to pray for you, Diane. I'm going to pray for your mom. Then I want you, Dan, to go home. You don't have to stick your whole hand in her ear, but put your finger in her good ear. And then you're going to speak into her deaf ear, and she's going to hear Okay? And then you're going to give us a report. All right? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you destructive deaf devil, I command you in the name of Jesus, you spirit of infirmity, come out right now. Be open in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you for it. And I loose a miracle into this ear. In Jesus' name, recreate God that which has been damaged. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, Dan, you give me a call. You got my number? How'd you get my... Oh, you're okay. All right. Phil, you got Phil's number. Okay. Praise God. All right. Now, let us pray. Everybody stand your feet. Father, I pray for every family, every business. I pray, God, for every person that has a job that God, you, would give them promotion and increase. I ask, God, that you would give them favor. Lead them and guide them, God. God, let the favor of God be seen upon them. God, we pray for all the farmers in our congregation. We pray, God, for all the men and women that are on fire departments, policemen, God. We pray for our family of faith today. And God, we loose blessing upon their life. We decree, God, that they will go forth and be fruitful. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Praise God. See you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Hi, live streamers. Thank you so much for joining us. We want you to know that we love you guys and are so happy to have you with us. Stay connected with us here on social media and remember to share when you're joining sure. us live, I command to you to in the name of Jesus Christ. Put your hand on that time. ear. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I command you, you deaf devil, to come out of them in the name of Jesus Christ. I command that ear to be opened. God, right now, I loose the working of miracles into that eardrum right now. Let it hear in Jesus' name. Now, have someone speak into that ear. And as soon as you have verification, please send it in as a comment. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for calling that in. Have